Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for listening to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. So we're going to start a new series called Christianity 101, and you know, in the academic world, uh, a 101 course is the introductory course uh, to a subject. And uh, in the same sense, I want to talk to you about some of the basics of the Christian faith. And again, you might be thinking, some of you are out there saying, I'm, I'm older than you. I've been, I've been saved longer than you've been alive. Uh, why, on earth, why on earth do I need to hear a message about the basics of our faith? And I would say this, let's look at Paul, what Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 13.5. Remember, he's not writing this to unbelievers. He's writing this to believers. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So Paul encourages us to examine ourselves, to test ourselves uh, in regards to our faith. And, you know, self-examination is, a, is an honest way. It's a, it's a good way of addressing where we are spiritually in our, in our walk with Christ, where we are and where we need to be. So whenever I read this verse, I kind of think about uh, playing sports uh, when I was younger. Whether it was baseball or basketball, it didn't really matter because often we would go into our practice time, the coach would go over the things, the mistakes we made in the previous game. The way that he would address that, he would bring them up and then he would give us scenarios or we'd go through drills to help us kind of counteract the, the mistakes that we made so that we don't make the same mistakes in the next game. And so when I think of, of that verse, I, I immediately get that picture of basic fundamentals, how important they are. You know, every sport has them, uh, you know, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, you can just name it. Everything has fundamentals that you have, to, you have to abide by, you have to practice, you have to execute, or you run into failure, you run into mistakes. And really, our walk with God is no different. Christianity is no different. Sometimes we get complacent. Sometimes we become less devoted in our relationship with Christ. The key to this is recognizing it early and then changing directions. You know this, the longer you go down the wrong path, the harder it is to turn the course, to turn back and go the right way. And this is exactly what Paul was saying to the church of Corinth. He was telling the church of Corinth this, it's examination time. It's time to take off the religious mask, look in the mirror, be transparent, and really judge the reality of your spirituality. Where are you at, spiritually speaking? So look what Jesus said. These are the, really the same, this is the same idea echoed uh, through Jesus as he speaks to the church of Ephesus in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 5. It says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Remember, this is not, this is a church. This is not unbelievers. Jesus is speaking. He's given a vision. He's speaking to John. These are his words. They're in red. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It's the same idea. Jesus tells the church of Ephesus to think back to the beginning of their faith journey and compare to where you are now. Are you in the place you ought to be? Examine yourselves. Uh, if you aren't where you ought to be, then own it. Own it and then make the corrections. Go the right way. Repent. Change your mind. Change your direction. Go back onto the right track. So unfortunately, we, we church folks, we have this down pat. 
here's what we do. We get off course. We don't really change our course of direction. We just pretend like we change our course of direction. This is not just here. This is in every church, okay? So don't feel like I'm picking on you because this is how we do it in the church world. We get off course. We go down the wrong course. We act like we're going down the right course when we're not going down the right course. We pretend that everything's okay when it's not. And so using that sports analogy again, it's kind of like this. You could come out of the locker room. I mean, you could look great in your uniform. I mean, you could look in the mirror and say, man, I look good today. I could, you can come out of the locker room. You can take the field. You can look great on the field. You can go through the warm-ups. You can look like you can play the game. But when you're in the game, the evidence is going to speak for itself. If you got no game, it's going to show up on the field. It's the same way in Christianity. You can dress the part. You can look the part. You can go through the motions. But when life hits you, when it comes into contact with you, the proof is in the pudding. The, the real you is going to come out. Hopefully this message is going to challenge you, and this series will, will challenge you to really just to be honest and transparent before God and just address the reality of your spiritual situation, your growth and your maturity in Christ. So before we can get back on course, we go the right direction, we need to take a, a spiritual assessment. So how do we start with this assessment? I believe we start with that assessment by going to the very beginning. I mean, this is what we do in the sports world. This is what we do in life. Uh, this is what we do in the business world. If you fail, you go back to the basics. You go back to the beginning. What am I missing? Let's go back. Let's start here. What are some basic principles that are so important that, that you have to abide by them? And that's what we should do spiritually. And here's why we need to go back to the beginning. The very beginning of where it all starts for us is salvation. And here's why. 65% of all Americans identify as Christians. And that's, that's nationwide. And there are some skewed numbers. There are some areas of our nation that are less Christian, and there are other areas that are heavily Christian. But about 65% of all Americans identify as Christian. Now, regionally and locally, that number we know is much higher. Much higher. In fact, I would say it's somewhere in the area of 80%, if not more. 80% of the people. I guarantee you go to 8 out of 10 people in our community and ask if they're a Christian. They're going to say, yes, I am a Christian. 80%, I think, is a conservative estimate. And unfortunately, there is very little evidence to support that 80% confession. Very little evidence. And I've asked church folks these questions. And, and, and if we asked church folks these questions and we went outside of this church, we asked people in our community the same questions, I guarantee we're going to get the same answers. And that should alarm us. What if we ask this question? Here and let's say we went over to Dollar General. We waited outside, and we just took 10 people at random and asked them these questions. And how we answer, I guarantee you there's going to be some similarity how they answer those questions. What if we ask them this? Are we Christians based on what we believe? Are we Christians because we identify as Christians? Are we Christians because we grew up in a Christian home? Are we Christians because we asked Jesus into our hearts? I guarantee you how we answer those questions and how they answer those questions are going to be very, very similar. Again, that's the problem. It's a major problem. You say, what's the problem? In our community, there seems that this is the genesis. I really think this is the, the starting point of the problem, of the spiritual issues that we may have in our community. And that's why I think a 101 message is so important. It brings us right back to the start. So this really should be troubling, that the world, or again, 80% of the folks in our community, let's say 75, 
They identify as Christian, yet there's no evidence to support that, or very little. But they answered the same questions the same way. Don't you find that troubling? Doesn't that bother you? It should. It should. In fact, Jesus talked about this very clearly. Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit is what? It's good. Or else make the tree bad and its fruit is bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. So if you're a Christian, that means you've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And since you've had that encounter, there's been a continuing work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you, through your life. Tangible evidence, we call it spiritual fruit. It confirms that you are in Christ. We know who we are by our fruit. Let's put it this way. This is a metaphor. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. If it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Right? So if it looks like a Christian, it acts like a Christian, it walks like a Christian, then we can assume then that it's a Christian. If they say they're a Christian, but they don't walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, Houston, we have a problem. So it's a metaphor we can use to gauge our own spirituality. And if you're a Christian, there should be ongoing spiritual evidence that you are in Christ and that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Let's take this assessment a step further. Can a person grow up in church and not be a Christian? Can a person believe in Jesus and not be a Christian? Can a person believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and not be a Christian? Can a person believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? He's the way, the truth, and life, and still not be a Christian? The answer for all of them is yes. Some of you pause and you aren't sure, and here's why. I'll ask this, this question the same way, in a, in a similar way. Is salvation a formality or is it an experience? Is salvation a formality or is it an experience? Let's look what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Because I believe this is part of the problem. We've reduced salvation down to a formality rather than an experience. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, come from God. For no one can come do these, th these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him and said to him, look at this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's his words. That's how Jesus replies. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So this puts us into perspective. Let's, let's take Nicodemus, for example. This is a great example. Nicodemus is just like people in our community. I'm going to show you. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and in those days, Pharisees were the most dedicated branch of Judaism. I've shared a message similar to this, or used this phrase, so don't, don't get lost. It's not the same message. It's the same example, though. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, most dedicated branch of Judaism of the day. In fact, Jesus most likely grew up as a Pharisee. Remember, Pharisees are not the leaders. Pharisees is a denomination, so to speak. It's a sect of, of Judaism. Pharisees, Sadducees, there was different ones. Jesus would have most definitely grew up in this sect of, of Judaism. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. In fact, read the book of Acts. Most of the early church came from the Pharisees. Here's why. Because it would make sense to them when Jesus came. They were the most devout. They were the most forward-thinking, prophetic thinking, uh, looking for the Messiah. Nicodemus is like many people in our community, believed the scriptures, 
the, all the Pharisees believed the scriptures were inerrant, they were infallible, that it was the word of God. Uh, they believed, he believed who Jesus claimed to be. We know you are teacher, rabbi. We know that you're from God. The signs that you're doing, we know that you are who you claim to be. They would have believed in the resurrection. They would have believed in heaven and hell. If Nicodemus lived today like many people in our community, he would identify as a Christian. But Jesus tells Nicodemus in no uncertain terms, in order for him to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. Is Christianity, becoming a Christian, a formality, or is it an experience? Take that example. If it's a formality, I mean, Nicodemus is in. He's got it all down. There's this one thing he's got to say, I believe you are the Son of God. You know, he, Jesus had went to the cross and did all that he's did yet, but it's a formality then. I'm telling you, this is how we treat salvation, as a formality rather than an experience. Jesus makes it clear, very clear, you must be born again. It's an experience. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no gray areas here. It's very black and white. Nicodemus was taken back by what Jesus said. It shocks him. Here's a man who's grown up in a God-fearing culture all his life, much similar to ours. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Socially, politically, morally, he would be like most of the people in our community. We would have a similar worldview as this man. Jesus continues to explain this to Nicodemus, how, how we must be born again. Again, if you don't understand this as an experience, this should make it even clearer. So look at uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Jesus, when he's referring to water, he's talking about water of the womb, not water baptism. Water, and if you say, well, I'm not for sure about that, verse 6 makes it very clear. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when we experience new birth, this is what makes us a Christian. You can identify all you want, but new birth makes you a Christian. Salvation is not a formality. Being a Christian and identifying as a Christian can be completely different from each other. Now, if you're born again, you will identify as a Christian, but just because you identify as a Christian doesn't mean you've been born again. We got this really backwards. This is the starting of all the problems. New birth is an experience that delivers us spiritually. Just like when a baby is born, you're born into this world by the flesh. The same thing must take place spiritually. You must be born into the kingdom of God. Spirit gives birth to spirit, life to spirit. So when did this happen for you? When did this happen for you? No one can tell you when this happens. Not one person. I can't tell you. I can't tell you when it happens for my kids. I can't tell you anything. You can't tell for your kids either, your grandkids. But you know when it takes place. You know when it occurs because it's something that takes place on your inner being. Look what Paul says. Paul explains this, this experience that he has, or the, the writer of, of Acts describes this, Paul's experience. Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 18. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, or, or Paul or Saul, Paul, as we know Saul will later become Paul, lays hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, 
has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, look at this, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he rose and was baptized. Now what happened to Paul? He was born again. He had a physical and a spiritual experience. He was healed, and he was born again. Let, let's face it, we understand this. We, we can look at Paul's story. We understand that the physical blindness was real, but the real issue was his spiritual blindness. Can I tell you, there is a lot of spiritual blindness in our community. A lot of it. A familiarity with Christianity, but no true experience with Christianity. Paul regained his sight. More, more importantly, Paul saw spiritually for the very first time. Isn't this the truth, the truth that is captured in the song Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's not, it's not physical blindness, it's spiritual blindness. So when did this happen for you? When did this happen for you? Well, Pastor, I, I really don't remember. Maybe, maybe when I was baptized. Uh, you know, it's been so long, I can't even remember. Respectfully. Sir, ma'am, respectfully, how can that be? How can that be? The third member of the Trinity came to live inside you. How can that be? Respectfully. When someone takes up residency within you, how could you not be aware of that? How can you be brought from death to life? How can you be made a new creation and not know it? You're a new person. Again, I'm not trying to cast doubt. I'm just trying to get us to grasp the reality of the situation. New birth is a real spiritual experience. It doesn't mean you have to be as dramatic as Paul. We understand Paul's not the, he's the exception, not the rule. But it's more than a formality. Christianity, becoming a Christian, is more than a formality. I'm afraid that we've made it a formality, and maybe some of us have grown up with the formality, became familiar with it. We've crossed all the, T, or crossed all the T's, we dotted all the I's, We've reduced salvation down to this, this formality. Say this, believe this, say this, do this, and you are saved. Respectfully, unless you are born again, you are not saved. You say, how can you say that? I don't. Jesus said that. You must be born again, born into the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we live in a time where perception is the reality. Perception is the reality. This is not a political statement, but it is, I guess, today. If God gave you male genitalia and you identify as a female, you're still a male. No matter what surgery you have done, when they take your blood and they test it, it's going to say male still. God gave you that genitalia for a reason. Now, you may not identify with it. You may have issues with it, but God made that decision for you when you came out of the womb. And you had one of the two. I don't mean to be grotesque or anything, I'm just saying that's the reality. But we live in a world where it doesn't matter. None of that matters. You could, you could be a different race. You could identify as a different race now. I mean, it's just crazy. This is the world we live in. And we in the church world, we're appalled at it. The 80% of people that identify this way are appalled, but yet we do the same hypocritical thing. Because we say, well, I'm a Christian. But have you been born again? Well, I don't know about all that, but I'm a Christian. Likewise, you can identify as a Christian based on your beliefs, based on whatever, but it doesn't mean you're born again. 
You can go to church, read your Bible, pray, believe everything that a Christian should believe, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You may be thinking to yourself, what gives you the right to call into someone, question someone's faith? And it's, I'm not. I'm just simply showing you what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he also says this to you and I, we must be born again. In order to be a true follower of Christ, in order for you to figure out his will for your life and execute it, fulfill it, you've got to be born again. I really believe there are a lot of people out there spinning their wheels, trying to do the right thing for God, but they're not born again. And it doesn't make sense to them. I tried to do this, I tried to do that, but it doesn't work. What's missing? What's going on? Not everyone who is born into the kingdom of God will have an experience like Paul. But you will have an experience called new birth, and you'll know when it takes place, something tangible on the inside happens to you. We have a fancy theological term to describe this. It's called regeneration. Regeneration. Regeneration happens when you are born again. Again, it's just a fancy term for being born again. Regeneration. Prior to new birth, our spirit is dead because of sin. Therefore, we must experience the regeneration of the spirit so that we become spiritually alive. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus was real, but it's also symbolic for us. It's what takes place in our lives. We, are, we die, we are buried, and we are resurrected. This is new birth. Again, when something is dead and it comes to life, shouldn't you know when that happens? Let me put it this way. When something's dead on the inside of you and it comes alive, don't you know? New birth cannot be accomplished, listen to me, without the Holy Spirit. Cannot. It's impossible. You can't make your spirit alive. You have no power to do that. You have no ability to do that. Religion has no ability to do that. A church does it. No one can lay hands on you and give that ability. Only God has that power. That's why it's such a test of the will. It comes down to the will and down to that person, meeting with God, and finally on the right place at the right time, saying, all right, God, I'm just giving it up to you. I'm finally surrendering it all. Can I tell you this? Most of, the, most of the problem in our world right now is just down to the will. We want fire insurance. We don't want to go to hell, but we don't want to surrender our lives completely to him. So you know what we do? We identify. Well, I believe this, I believe that. It's a, it's a big, muddy mess. This regeneration of the Spirit is captured in Titus 3.5. Not by, my works of, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The, the word regeneration in the original language, it consists of two Greek words. This is pretty cool. So when you look at it, it looks like palin, palin, okay? And it means new or again. And then the second part is genesia. It's where we get the word genesis new birth, new beginning, new origin. That's what's being communicated in this word, regeneration, palingenesia. It's two Greek words. New birth is what it simply means. You know, in Genesis, we were created with a living soul, but man sinned and man brought death to mankind, all mankind. We, we suffer a physical death, and we know this, we suffer a spiritual death. Sin and death then was passed down to all mankind. We're all born sinners. We're all destined for the same place. We're all, it doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter what family you're born into, every one of us were born and our, our trajectory was to hell. Everyone. And Jesus is called the second Adam. 
And through him, we experience new birth, new birth into the family of God. You were born into the family of man, but new birth gives you entrance into the family of God. Why? So that we can have a life that Jesus promises, life and life abundantly. This whole thing, this whole experience was prophesied centuries, centuries before through the prophet Ezekiel. Very familiar scripture. Most of you are going to identify this. We usually stop at this verse. We don't go on to the next one. We will. Check this out. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you what? A new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel, speaking of a day when mankind can have an experience where they are given a new spirit. Remember, when you look at that verse right there, is this a formality or is this an experience? It's definitely an experience. You are given a new spirit. And because, look at this, and because we're given a new spirit, look at the very next verse. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And, will keep, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Boy, isn't this where spiritual fruit comes into play? Okay, think about these words. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You know why so many people can't obey his commands? Because they're not born again. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just simply telling you this. There is an inability to obey his commands because they aren't born again. You can't. You can try. You can do a good effort. But sooner or later, it's going to push back against you. You know why? Because you can't. You are doing something that only God can do through you. It's only something can happen because he's transformed you, enabled you to do so. Jesus said if we love him, we obey his commands. But again, you can't obey Jesus and produce spiritual fruit unless you are born again. When and where, when and where were you born again? When and where did the Holy Spirit come to live within you and transform you and abide within you? When and where did that take place? The Holy Spirit abiding in us. He is our source. He's what enables us, empowers us to, to live the life we're called to live. How can, how, we cannot be a true follower of Christ unless you are born again. There's no way. It's impossible. Here, to put it in more perspective, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When did this happen for you? Please, in the presence of God in this church, when did that happen for you? When did you come to Jesus by faith and receive the Holy Spirit? When did the Holy Spirit reside in you and make you a new person? When did you experience new birth? Well, I think, I think it may have happened when I walked the aisle and I came down and I said the prayer, I signed the car. Maybe, when I, uh, maybe it happened when I was baptized. Maybe it's when I joined the church. It's no maybes about it. When did that happen? When did that happen? Is it a formality or is it an experience? I don't know about you, I don't remember a lot of formalities, but I sure remember experiences. As something as dramatic as becoming alive spiritually, I think, I think I would remember that. I cannot tell you how much I despise this phrase. When you ask people, when did you become a Christian? When were you born again? Well, I don't know, I've been in this all my life. No, you haven't, you were born a sinner. Well, my family, no, you were born a sinner in that family. Your family members may have been Christians, but you were born a sinner. Oh, the church, I'm telling you, this is where it starts. This is where it begins. This is where it gets all off kilter. 
You can't be born into the family of God physically. You must be born again spiritually. Mom and dad can't do that for you. They can pray over you, they can bless you, they can dedicate you, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You of your own free will must repent, must choose Jesus, must surrender your life to him. Well, shouldn't this be the scenario or something similar that we all have? I heard the gospel and I was convicted of my sin. Who brings conviction? Well, the Holy Spirit does. Lovingly brings conviction. Conviction. I, I heard the gospel. I was convicted of my sins. So I repented of my sins and surrendered my life to Jesus. When I did that, something inside happened to me. I can't really explain it, but I know this. I became a new person. Not a perfect person. Not a person without fault, but a different person. When did that happen for you? When did that occur for you personally? It's an experience. It's a new birth. On the inside of you, you underwent a transformation. You were once dead, but you became alive. It was a transformative work. We assume people are Christians because they profess Christ. We assume people are Christians because they believe in Jesus. So does the devil. The devil believes in Jesus. We assume people are Christians because they believe in the Bible. They said the sinner's prayer. They were baptized. Again, these are formalities, and these are what we do when we are born again. It's a process, but that's not new birth. Again, do these formalities make a person born again? The answer is no. 100% they don't know. Can they lead us to an experience? Yes, absolutely. But they themselves are not the experience. You know, we get so caught up. You've got to say the prayer. You've got to say the prayer. You've got to sign your car. You've got to sign your name. We've got we to No, they must repent. They must receive Jesus. And we can't make anyone do that. Do you need to confess your sins and express your need of, of his saving grace? Yes, 100%. 100%. But at the end of the day, you must be born again. See, when we live, we live in a very traditional, very religious culture. And when we live in a very religious culture like we do, there might be some apprehension. Some of you may be just dealing with some things even inwardly. You're, I, I might be a little embarrassed admitting that, you know what, maybe I've been going the wrong way. Maybe I didn't have this experience. Maybe you should not be embarrassed whatsoever. Why? Why? Don't ever be apprehensive about this. Be honest. Be open. This is the place for that to happen. I mean, we're talking about soul here. Your soul, your eternal soul. We got this down pat in church. We just pretend like everything's right. Then when truth hits us, we don't want to confront it. But you got to confront it. You got to embrace it. This is your eternal destiny. You're not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, that preacher didn't tell me or this didn't. No, it's going to be between you and God. And that's a bad place to be. The place you want to be is at the judgment seat of Christ where he is your advocate. My plea to you is simple. Don't be foolish. Don't let pride stand in the way ever over any subject. Listen, God, God resists the proud. God resists the proud, your pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace, mercy. I don't know what you signed me up for that. You can come to Jesus today, experience new birth right here. In our community, this is the major hurdle. And it breaks my heart because many people are blind because of their religious traditions. As was the Apostle Paul. Good company. If Paul could get saved, anybody can get saved. But it's time to address this honestly and remove blinders. So again, how do I know that I've been born again? 
How do I know that I've been born again? First of all, let me say this. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make mistakes. But it is an experience that you won't forget and you know when it takes place. When you give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sins, you experience new birth. But without the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. You say, how can you say that? It's very simple. I don't. The Bible says it. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You don't belong to God. The Spirit of Christ is not another spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So when we're born into the kingdom of God, we become children of God because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit residing in us is proof that we are born again. Again, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not born again. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. See, listen, you have, if it's not you, then you know people who believe this. Why, why in God's name are you not loving on this person and telling them the truth? Gracefully and with mercy. Again, when they stand before Jesus, it's going to be based on this work right here. Okay, I can't let you in to eternity with me because you're not part of the family. There's no getting it right then. It's got, to be, it's got to be gotten right here. So when we repent of our sins, surrender ourselves to Jesus by faith, that's when the Holy Spirit comes to reside and does a, regen, a work of regeneration. Well, I prayed and I prayed it didn't happen. Well, there are some obstacles that sometimes stand in the way. That may be for a different message. But sometimes it's just this, and please hear me. God knows when you know business, even before you know when you know business. You might think you mean business with God, but he sees your heart. He sees down to that very depth that you try to hide. That, well, I'm going to hang on to this. I'll get saved. I'll give everything to Jesus but that little thing. He knows that. You're never going to outwit him, outsmart him. He's almighty God. He sees it, and that might be the very hindrance. Surrender. I give up. Do what you want with me. When did this occur for you? That's when you could be born again. If you're resistant to the Holy Spirit, he's resistant to you, but he's pleading with you. So how you can identify as a Christian all day long. Do good works, do good deeds, live a, live a perfect life, but without the Holy Spirit, you're not part of God's family. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How many of you know this? You can have something up here and not have it here. When you have it here, then it's here. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in our community, I think there's a lot of people who go to our church that have it here, but they don't have it here. In order to, be, to fully understand what it means to be Christian, you have to be a Christian. And, and again, this may shock you, I don't assume everyone who attends our church is a Christian. It's my hope, it's my prayer, it's what drives me as a pastor but I never assume anyone is, is born again because I've seen this before, and you've seen this before. If you've been in church long enough, you've, you've seen this before. Someone has to have a lifelong religious background. They've signed the card years ago. They were baptized in water. They joined the church. They have a religious heritage. They have all their beliefs lined up with this. But one day, they have an honest encounter with the Holy Spirit. They might hear a message just like this. And then the Holy Spirit uses the word to penetrate that hard religious heart, and he reveals truth in that moment. Penetrates their heart, and the Holy Spirit reveals truth. That you know what? You must be born again. Today's the day, buddy. Today's the day to surrender. Give your life. 
you know, stop holding out, and they do, and for the first time, they realize this is what's been missing all along. I've been going through this journey. I've been trying to serve God, and, and man, it's just rough. It's difficult. It's dry. It's hard, and all of a sudden, it all makes sense. You know why? Your eyes are open. You finally see. For the first time, they realize on a spiritual level. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When the gospel is preached and the Holy Spirit in tandem with the word of God, this is exactly what happens. Whether you're born again or not, it takes place. It brings you to an area of truth where you must address it. So I pray the Holy Spirit, as I preach, the Word of God has been preached, I pray the the Holy Spirit is challenging you, every one of us. I'm I'm praying that He takes the Word of God, pierces our hearts, penetrates our inward being, separates what's from soul and spirit. Where am I at in my faith journey? Am I where I should be? And if not, let me assess back to the beginning, was I even born again? Have I been born again? If the answer is yes, praise God. But if you're not still going in the right direction, it's time to course correct. You've got to get on the right path. Pray the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and reveals the thoughts and the intents of your heart. I mean, that's why whenever you read God's Word, you should ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Penetrate my heart. Challenge me. I, I pray we don't get so comfortable with God's Word, we don't allow it to speak to us. Again, I know people have gone through the motions for years, thinking to themselves, like, I guess this is all there is to my faith. I mean, it's kind of just boring and dry and, and this and that, and I'm not really satisfied, and I guess this is it. It's not it. Listen, when, when the Holy Spirit comes in you and gives you life, you have life. You have life. Here, here's another. Sometimes people who have not been born again, they believe they're a Christian, are very critical of people who are born again, who have life within them and experience in life. Well, they're just super spiritual. They, they address them in this way. Well, I must be a Christian, and I don't act that way. So what they're doing just may be just flesh. It might be that you're not born again, and they just love Jesus. Can't understand why the two are so different. Perhaps you've not been born again. So this is the reason why I'm preaching this series. I think some of us have religion and a formality of religion, but we have no experience of new birth. How can a person live a Christian life unless they are born again? How can a person fulfill God's plan and purpose for their life life unless they're born again? And they can't. They have to experience new birth. So only when we are born into the kingdom of God can we follow Jesus and be his disciples and fulfill God's plan for our lives. Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this message. It was an honor to be able to spend this time with you in God's word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about Holt Assembly of God, please go to our website at www.holtag.org and connect with us there. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, I hope that you have a great day as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.